Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about birth plans, or maybe you want to tell them more birth preferences or a fluid birth idea. In this podcast, Lisa, my guest and I say fluid birth plans probably like 10 or 15 times. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest. Lisa Teen is an RN. She's a labor and delivery nurse and the founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. Mommy Labor Nurse equips pregnant folks with the tools, knowledge, and confidence they need to erase the unknown, feel in control, and have an even better birth, no matter how they deliver. It was such a fun conversation with Liesl. Let me tell you a little bit about what we talked about. So as I mentioned, we talk about the idea of having a fluid birth plan. She also talks a lot about how to make a birth plan, what you should think may want to be on there, and also how to work with the nursing staff and the hospital staff when not just presenting your birth plan, but throughout the birth. She gives some really wonderful information. And we talk not just about vaginal birth, but also having a cesarean birth plan. Considering a third of folks are going to have their babies as a belly birth, we need to have some idea of what that could look like as well. It's a really great conversation. I'm very excited for you to hear about that. But before we get to that, I just want to give you some information about what's happening at Prenatal Yoga Center. So we're continuing our online classes. So right now we have an online prenatal yoga class every single day. Day. So each class we interweave themes about childbirth education so you can have little bite-sized information that you can learn more about this process of birth. We attend to your body. Those that take class know that I am super big into finding the internal balance in our body so that baby can descend, rotate unobstructed. It's a passion of mine to help people have a functional birth and the tools for when things might be a little... Uh, Rocky on the one baby's way out. So check out those classes on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. We have online classes, we have in-person classes, we have on-demand classes. So I'll see you in class. 
while you're on our website, don't forget to download your free five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. This way, if you can't make it to class, you can still have some way to alleviate some of those common discomforts that you have. And then the last thing I just want to mention, so we are well into our late fall teacher training. It is a full group. We have people from all over the world. It is super fun. And our plan ahead is that every year we'll do two online because when we get to do it online, we get to see people from all over the world, which is just amazing to know that this methodology and supporting the community is so many places. And then we'll have two or three in-person trainings a year. So if you're passionate about helping people in the perinatal community, check out our 85-hour prenatal yoga teacher training. Again, you can find that on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. And I think that's it. I oh, Of course, as always, I just want to thank you for being here and listening and being part of our community. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Liesl. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing good, Deb. How are you? I'm doing really well. I am so excited to jump onto this call with you and pick your brain because not only do you support people as a childbirth educator, but you also are an L&D nurse. I feel like you have the inside scoop and that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, want I love to get it. At. Yes. Yes. I love being referred to as, well, not referred to, but I love it when people say that, that I have like an inside scoop because I feel like I kind of do. I get to see birth like, you know, I get go in for a shift. It's not even like my doula um, friends who have clients and they, you know, kind of have to wait for them to go into labor. I just go into my shift and I get to see birth and see everybody do it. So I love yeah, that. it's and, real fun. <laughs> yeah. And you hit on why I became a doula because I wanted yeah. to see births, but oh, it is very, okay. it is very different and it's such a learning experience. And I'm sure yeah. you feel that every birth there's similarities and differences. So I'm yeah. just so excited to pick your brain. And so for today, we're going to talk about birth plans. And what I think it's really important is when we dive into this for the community, I hopefully will grasp is that we want multiple birth plans in our brain. We don't want to be so stuck to one idea. But before we jump into that, will you tell me a little bit about yourself and what drew you to being a labor and delivery nurse? Yeah, sure. So my name is Liesl. I am a labor and delivery nurse now for, I've been one for about eight years, and I'm also the founder of Mommy Labor Nurse. So if you Google Mommy Labor Nurse, you get a whole bunch of stuff. I have a podcast. I have a Instagram page, the blog. We do online birthing classes as well. Um, so yeah, when I was about, um, I don't know, in middle school sometime, I don't know if you remember this show, but there was a show on TLC called A Birth Story. Oh, yes, and I do. Yeah. It's I'm, I'm like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like everyone like 30, 40, like, you know, somewhere around that age kind yeah. of remembers that show. <laughs> um, and it just, I, I loved that show. I would, you know, it was the kind of show that you, I think it was on at 3.30 or something. So like when I would get home from school, I would watch it or I would record 
episodes and like when I was homesick or something, I would just, you know, watch a bunch of them. I just loved seeing what real birth looks like, you know, because you've seen it in the movies and you've seen it, you know, in the media and stuff, but that was actually, you're actually seeing people, I mean, not, you're, you're not seeing graphic stuff, of course, but you're seeing inside the delivery room what it looks like. You see nurses, you know, running around and stuff. So that was like, a little part of it. Another part is my mom, uh, growing up, she had, she had a C-section with me and growing up, I heard her talk very highly of the nurses who cared for her while, um, she had me, she had an emergency C-section pushed for a few hours. I didn't descend and she, you know, ended up having a C-section and she just raved, like just, there's such a, you know, she just loved to, to, you know, talk about, um, how great that experience was and how, um, how good she felt, uh, coming away from it. Like she felt like she was really, really well cared for. So having that also just in my head and just being, you know, naturally drawn to birth because of watching a birth story about a million times. Um, I started to get really interested in being a labor and delivery nurse and nursing in general. So went to nursing school, uh, saw my first live birth and kind of never looked back. I was like, okay, how can I, how can I get my foot in, in the door? Like as soon as possible and become a labor and delivery nurse. So it took about a year of me being an ER nurse when I first graduated. And then I switched up to labor and delivery and yeah, it is amazing. I don't think I'll ever do anything else. I'm absolutely shocked that in middle school you were drawn <laughs> to... Oh my God, I loved it. I loved it. It's, it's just, so I cool. have, my son is a middle schooler and I cannot <laughs> imagine him sitting in front of watching that. Like, I mean, yeah. now, now there's YouTube and there's just other, you know, right. he's watching it like Ninja. Time. <laughs> it really was, but it's so, it's such a forward thinking person that yeah. would want to learn about that when most middle schoolers, it's not in their <laughs> brains. So I think that, I think it's not just that it was on at 3.30 and you're like, well, this is a great idea. It's, I mean, <laughs> but it's clearly something like that was already starting to stir in you. So that's, oh, what, yeah. it's amazing oh, that yeah. you found your way there. I feel like we all have some sort of inner calling and clearly you oh, found right. yours. All right. So birth plans. I yeah. love this because Anytime someone puts some thought into their birth, I think it's really important because I think too often people can just hand over their birth to, I don't know, their care provider or just hear everything from friends. But birth plans involve sitting and thinking what's best for me as the birthing person, as opposed to what are you going to tell me to do? So, all right. Right. So where should we start? So I guess at what point do you suggest someone starts to think about their birth preferences? Yeah. So really as early as possible. Um, it shouldn't be like, okay, I'm 20, I just hit 28 weeks and I need to start thinking about my, my birth plan now. Um, I, I think, you know, once you're starting to see that future, like, oh, okay, I'm going to give birth in this many weeks. How is it going to, how's it going to go? Cause it can be overwhelming for someone to like say, okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to think about my birth until the third trimester, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always tell people like, 
once you start to envision it in your head, hey, sit down, like write down some things that are important to you. Maybe you're scrolling on Instagram and you saw and you see some posts and you're like, oh, this person is doing skin to skin. Like, let me save that post. And that's, that's something cool. I want to, I want to remember that. Um, so it should be kind of a, a fluid, I guess, process more so than like sitting down right at a certain week and starting to write a birth plan. And I will say, um, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit, uh, a little bit more later, but I don't even like the word birth plan because it's yeah. not, shouldn't be a, a plan. It should be like a, like a guide or like a wish list or something. A fluid um, open path. A fluid open. <laughs> yeah. Like things that I'm, that I'm hoping to happen and I'll be, you know, the, but if this doesn't happen, like I'd really like this to happen, you know, it's more of this and, you know, birth plans also, like you said in the beginning, it's not just something that you should write down and hand to your nurse. Once you get there, it needs to be this process of like, okay, these are the things that are important to me. And then I'm going to be talking to my provider and one of my Mm. visits and saying, Hey, this is what I was thinking of putting on my birth plan. Can you support this? And then you know, the conversation goes further. Yeah, that is a huge part. And we're going to get more into that. But it, as you said, like, don't think to your third trimester, because I'm sure you've heard this from your community. I've heard this from my students that they come back from their 36-week visit and they talk to me in class. You're like, okay, my care provider feels this way. I feel this way. What do I do? And then we're in a sticky situation. So we'll get to that. But, ooh, yeah, that that always makes me a little sad. So how specific do you suggest someone gets in their fluid plan or their preferences? It's tough. Um, I think it kind of depends on you. Okay. So if you're the kind of person, like I've seen all different kind of birth plans, right? So if you're the kind of person that you really need, uh, someone to understand that you need things this certain, this certain way you can get, I mean, you can get specific. I always say we've used the word fluid now about 20 (laughs) times, but I always say, you know, try to put things on there with the intention of knowing like, okay, I really want this, but it might not happen and it's okay if it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, put things on there. You can get specific. You can say, Hey, I want skin to skin for you know, this many hours, that's a bad example, but I, you can get specific. We don't care. You know, honestly, the more specific you get, it kind of makes our job a little bit easier because then we know exactly what you want. You know, if you're like super broad, it's like, okay, you know, what do you really mean by this, that, and the other, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I would say get as specific as you want to, but with the, like knowing in the back of your head that like, okay, it, just because I'm being specific, that doesn't mean I'm being like rigid, you know? Mm. Yeah, I absolutely like that. So let's talk about, we can, we can go back to the idea of fluid, <laughs> but when someone walks fluid. in, either one of your students, like in your childbirth ed, or one of your patients as L&D, how do you introduce the idea that it does <laughs> need to, Yeah, we don't want to hold on to this plan like hell or high water, it's going to be this. Like, How do you introduce the idea that we need to be open with how the birth actually unfolds as opposed yeah. to rigid, like you said? Yeah. So ideally I want this mindset to happen before you're in labor, (laughs) before (laughs) you're coming to me. And I'm telling you this, you know, when you're walking in, I want this, you know, to be thought of kind of while you're creating this birth plan. But if someone comes in and 
you know, it hands me this birth plan. One thing that I usually do, you know, I'll read it right in front of them and say, Oh, you know, this sounds great. Like, absolutely. We can, we can, we can do this. Um, you know, this one, it looks like you're getting induced. So unfortunately, like, to get induced, we, you know, you, you probably will have to have an IV or this, that, and the other. Um, but you still have options and, and we can talk about, you know, how important this line is on your birth plan, um, versus like how important it is to you to stick with your plan of getting induced today. Something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's, it's more of like a, you have to validate them and say, Hey, I understand that these things are really, really important to you, right? Because you've written them down. You've taken this time to sit down and actually think about what you want this process to be like. And that, you know, a lot of people don't even do that, right? So great. Awesome. And we also have to know that like, okay, it's, we're, we're, I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can to meet every, everything on here that you've written down. Um, but if things don't go, the way they're meant to go. It's not your fault. It's not, you know, anyone's fault. I mean, we can blame the baby if you want to. That's what I usually <laughs> say. Like the baby's kind of in charge here. Um, but, but there yeah, is some it, truth to that. Like babies there is some truth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Babies oh my have gosh. Some yeah. Information of how they want to be born. They do. Isn't it crazy? They're, they're, yeah, they're a little crazy. They're a little crazy sometimes. They drive mom crazy. <laughs> they drive, uh, the nurses crazy. Um, but yeah, it's usually more of a, I, I think it really also depends on the kind of nurse that you get to. Like, I'm always the kind of person that I'm like, okay, I, I can work with you. Like, there's definitely other nurses out there who are like, nope, sorry, we can't do this. Um, and that's hard to hear, you know, as, as someone coming in to having a baby. So I'm always, also looking at it as the perspective of like, okay, what if I was this person sitting in front of me and I was reading, I was having my nurse read my birth plan and saying, no, we can't do this. No, we can't do this. No, we can't do this. No, I want her to say, okay, I read your birth plan. I'm so glad that you, that you wrote all this stuff down. This makes a lot of sense. And I can see how passionate you are. This is this, all this stuff is going to work, but just know that Things, you know, sometimes things change. It's no one's fault, but th sometimes things change and we will communicate with you, you know, every step of the way. So I want to go to something you just said that my eyebrows raised. So <laughs> again, I don't have the experience that you do. I'm a doula or I was a doula. So you've done hundreds more than I have, but I have seen some nurses that we hand in a birth plan and there's like a little raised eyebrow and a smirk. So what do you... How would you suggest? Cause it sounds like yeah. you are the dream L and D nurse. That I like birth gets... plans. I know they get a bad rap. I they know. do. So I love that people see you and you're like, yes, I'm going to do the best I can. But what would you say to the listener right now that may encounter the smirk from yeah. when they hand in a plan? Yeah. So I will say that is unfortunately something that you that you might encounter if you come in with a very, very long birth plan or even anything at all. I'm not saying like, like, oh, if you, if you make a really short one, like we're not, it, you're, somebody's not going to smirk at you. You still might get the smirk. Um, and I will say it's, it's something that I think we're slowly starting to change because birth plans just, it's this weird, like, thing with nurses where they say, oh, this person has a birth plan. That means they're going to get a C-section. It's 40 pages long, blah, blah, blah. There's like this weird stigma. Um, and I just, I think it's just 
starting to change towards like, hey, birth plans are actually good. Um, hello, it makes our job easier. We know exactly what they want. It's all this information on here. So I'll say like, if you get the smirk, try not to take it the wrong way. I'm sorry. She should not, she should not be, or he <laughs> should be smirking at you. That's inappropriate. Um, you might get it and I'm sorry, but just know that it, it this is like, it's kind of bigger than it's, it's a little bit bigger. Like it's a, it's a, not a, I want to say cultural, but it's like a societal thing that we need to change of like nurses kind of, you know, poo-pooing on birth plans. Once I did an interview with um, Dr. Neil Shaw and he came, I think it was him, had the idea of putting a whiteboard in the birth room so that everyone can be on the same page. So I suggested that to my students and some of them have done that. And what I've heard is amazing. They say they go in, they unpack their whiteboard, they put it somewhere where everyone can see, and then they put their top choices. They put their name so they're not just called like mama or mommy. And then they put some of their choice and they said they felt like that really help bring everyone into communication. Have you seen that actually in use? I haven't, but that's because we already have whiteboards like Amazing. in all of our rooms. <laughs> so Amazing. Are they used? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. I love hearing yeah. that. All right. So I kind of, <laughs> I went off on a tangent. Let me pull myself back. <laughs> and, all right. So what are some areas you think are often forgotten on birth plans when someone's sitting down to think how they might want to foresee their birth? Yeah. So unfortunately, I think a lot of times people don't, which it's not really your fault, but you don't think about like having an an emergency C-section or having something possibly go wrong. Um, You also want to have stuff on there. Like let's, you know, sometimes you have an emergency C-section by no fault of your own. Maybe it's by this little baby's fault. He decides to really squeeze his umbilical cord really hard or something. I don't know. And we have to go back and do an emergency C-section and there's nothing, nothing you could have done. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's stuff like that, 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 you know, you're, you're envisioning, okay, it's important. Obviously I know, like I need to put on stuff on here. That's really important to me, like doing skin to skin, um, doing intermittent monitoring, um, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, but you're not thinking that, Oh, wait a second. What if I do have an emergency C-section? Like what, um, should I put that? I want a second opinion on there. Should I put, you know, that some, some interventions that we can do in the OR that promote like having more of a gentle C-section, that kind of stuff. I think, and I think that goes along with like, the more educated you are, the more birth education you have, like, you're going to be learning about stuff that might not necessarily happen. So you'll say, oh, I didn't know that there was even like forceps or vacuums didn't even exist or like episiotomies. What? So it's like stuff like that, that you aren't necessarily aware of, which like I said, is no fault of your own, but the more educated you are about these things that might possibly happen, the more likely they are to make your birth plan in like how you feel about them. Episiotomies, mm-hmm. for example, you know, most people say, I don't want an episiotomy unless it's, it's absolutely necessary. Um, but some people don't even, they don't even put that on there because they don't even know that an episiotomy is a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it all comes back to education, but you totally hit on something that I want to go more into. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about cesarean birth plans. I think like a lot of people think vaginal birth plans, but 
there is a 30% of folks having their babies from their belly. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back and talk cesarean birth plans. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. So I love that you mentioned, you know, a cesarean because some people, they often kind of bury their head. They're like, no, 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 it's not going to happen to me, but it's a good third chance it will. So what should someone think? You mentioned a gentle cesarean. Can you talk more about that and what people should or may want to think about adding to a cesarean birth plan? Yeah. So yeah, sure. I'd love to talk about gentle cesareans first. That's a big thing that I think now people are starting to talk about like, Hey, we can actually do some things in the OR that kind of makes it seem less like surgery and more like birth, right? Mm-hmm. Because C-section is a birth, is birth. Um, so one really great thing is a lot of places now are utilizing clear drapes. So it's basically they, you know, they have to put up these, these blue drapes, um, and all this blue stuff, you know, for like sterility purposes. Um, but a lot of hospitals now have these clear drapes that they can put up. Uh, sometimes they, they just leave them up and they don't even put like a blue drape behind them a lot. But a lot of times what they do is they have the blue drape up there and then they have a clear drape as well. And then once the baby comes out, they just drop the blue, the blue drape and they have a clear drape. And then you can see the baby like immediately, like as the baby is kind of coming out of you. And it's like just it's just so nice. People love that. It's great. Another one is skin to skin in the OR. So a lot of people don't realize that you can do this. It's okay. You're laying down, right? Some people don't really want to do skin to skin in the OR because they're not, maybe they're not feeling so good. And I'll say, you know, that's okay too. Um, but skin to skin in the OR is absolutely possible as long as baby's doing okay and you're doing okay. Um, it, it doesn't involve, you know, that much. You just kind of unbutton your gown and put baby right on your skin right there. And it's a great way to bond with baby as they're, you know, kind of stitching you up and before we're getting to pack you. So that's a really good one. And then, hey, guess what? We can actually dim the lights in the OR so it's not like super crazy bright in there. Really the only lights that they need are the big old round like kind of surgery lights on your act, on what they're on what they're actually working on. Um so we can kind of dim the lights for you. A lot of times we can play music too. We have it where it's just like a little plug. You can plug your phone in um or the provider usually plugs their phone in. They say, "Hey, what kind of music you want? You know, you want like Taylor Swift?" Okay, cool. Like and then they pull up their Spotify or whatever. So we can do music we can, you can say, Hey, you know, all the same things maybe that were on your birth plan. And you're thinking that you're going to have a vaginal delivery. You want dim lights. You, I want to be able to play my music. I want some low voices, this kind of stuff. Um, and then another good one is I always tell people to request if possible to have your blood pressure cuff and IV, but sometimes IV is, is, um, unavoidable, but especially that blood pressure cuff have it on your non-dominant arm because your dominant arm, you're going to be wanting, especially if you have uh, do skin to skin with baby, you're going to be wanting to use your dominant arm a little bit more. And blood pressure, unfortunately, they have to get that quite a bit when you're in the OR just to make sure you know, you're doing okay. So mm-hmm. put that on your non-dominant um, arm. And then you can also delay these newborn care procedures that are, um, and again, this is stuff that's on a, you know, quote unquote, vaginal birth plan, delay those newborn care procedures. You don't have to have anybody measure baby or do weights or, or anything like that. We really just need APGARs. And as long as baby's doing okay, baby can, baby can sit with you skin to skin. We don't have to do anything else. 
Those are really, really great suggestions. Have you ever had anyone bring in any sort of essential oil or anything? Because sometimes like the cauterizing can have a yes. smell. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good point too. I should actually put that on our, we have a little birth plan template. Um, just, uh, I think it's mommylabornurse.com slash birth plan. I think that's it. Um, but I should put that on there too. That's a good one. Cause I have seen people do that with the cauterization. It does have a certain smell. Well, <laughs> I just remember going in as a doula a few times for, you know, I was the support person yeah. for the, <laughs> the smell yeah. was getting to oh, me. Yeah. Of course, I can't tell my client that I'm feeling yeah. nauseated from the smell of her skin yeah. burning. So that I remember at that point I grabbed, I asked if I could have an alcohol wipe that I mm-hmm. used to smell. Cause otherwise I that I was going to like throw up or pass out. So that's from experience of nausea. Yeah. Those are such, those are really such great points for a cesarean birth plan. As you said, many of it's straightforward to a vaginal birth plan as well. What would you say are the top four areas? I'm asking you to to narrow it down to four that you think you're like, but I have 30 that, um, someone may as they're starting, cause sometimes people get overwhelmed. They look at this. So I figure like start with four and then, you know, as the person sits, that might stimulate other thoughts instead of having to take the whole bite at the same time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I would say support people. Put on there, you know, if you're going to have your doula in there, say I I have a doula um, or my husband or partner, whoever is going to be in there, my mom I or whatever. So like a lot of times we'll have uh, patients and they only want their, you know, their husband in there, but someone else tries to, <laughs> tries to get in. Um, so have on there, you know, who, who you want in the delivery room to support you. And then uh, number two, I would say like how you envision best being supported. Mm. Okay. So pain control really is, 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 um, is where it lies. So, okay. Are you envisioning that you're having an epidural? Are you thinking that you're going to kind of labor for a little while and then get an epidural? Are you thinking you want to go completely unmedicated? Are you thinking, you know, you're, you're interested in nitrous oxide or IV pain medication or, Hey, um, uh, do you want to do water therapy? Like, can I make sure to put on there that I would request a room with a tub if, you know, your hospital has tubs or shower, this, that, and the other. So that's a big one, like a big chunk. So pain control and how to best uh, be supported. And then I would say, um, it's, I don't know how to group all of these, but like labor preferences. So like, okay, I would like maybe as few uh, cervical exams as possible. I would like, you know, intermittent monitoring if possible. I would like to eat and drink, you know, as approved, like this kind of stuff. And again, this is all stuff that I'm literally reading exactly off of our template. Like we have a template that says it's check marks like I would like the light stim. I would like this because you think of, you're probably listening to this now and being like, oh, I didn't even think about that, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So that's why it's nice having like a template kind of birth plan. Um, so, so that's kind of the third one. And then fourth one, I would say, think about baby. So stuff that's important to you for baby. So once the baby comes out, okay, I really, you know, really want to delay any newborn procedures. I want to do skin to skin as much as much as possible. I'm planning on breastfeeding. I would not like to introduce formula, you know, unless absolutely medically necessary. Uh, you know, what, what you want to do in terms, you know, do you want delayed cord clamping, that kind of stuff. I know that's like, it's so broad, but that's the best way I could break them down. <laughs> 
such no, a whore. I love that. I love that. Cause again, like the idea is you start in one section and that can just bloom into all these right. other ideas. And right. that way you're not like, okay, I gotta do the whole thing right now. So now that somebody right. has categorized and put some thought into it and they're feeling really great about, okay, we're going to go with fluid, fluid options. When do they introduce this to their care provider so that they can make sure everyone's on the same page? Yeah. So again, my answer is going to be as early as possible. And I think, I think most people think, oh, third trimesters when I'll kind of start talking to my provider about my birth plan. But honestly, if you're starting to think about this stuff, um, wouldn't you think that you want to talk to your provider as soon as possible just to make sure you guys are on the same page? Mm-hmm. Because what if you're not? What if you're not? You want to find a provider to best support you. So, hey, maybe you don't have your whole birth plan written by 14 weeks or whatever, 20 weeks or whatever, but let's start having these conversations with your provider and d- don't bring up the word birth plan. Just say, hey, these are some things that are kind of important to me. Can you support them? And that might start a conversation of, oh, wait a second, I might not be with the right provider. And now I have to think about switching providers, which by the way, I always say you absolutely can switch providers at any point in your pregnancy. It's a little harder to do right towards the end, but you still can. Um, so yeah, I would say as kind of as early as possible, start that conversation. Now, once you have it done, you know, I would say most people have like their their birth plan done, you know, late third, late third trimester, bring it into one of your visits and go over it with your provider, you know, one of those 30 something uh, visits and just go over it with your provider. Ideally, like I said, you would have had kind of similar conversations leading up to it. But now we're starting to talk about specifics on here. Like, Hey, this is what my birth plan looks like. Is there any, any red flags on here? Like anything you see on here that you're like, uh, that doesn't make sense. Or, Hey, is there anything that you can think of that I should add? And then it also, you know, fosters open communication as well. Yeah, I think that's great. And I love the idea of early because you don't have to necessarily have your whole birth plan, but they can start to think philosophy. Like this is my birthing philosophy. Are you on board? Because some people, and I see this in New York a lot where we have a lot of high risk care providers that someone might be low risk, but they might, you know, someone might just have a high risk care provider for their yearly checkups and that person's low risk and would like to go low risk. But if that care provider is used to practicing to high risk people, their philosophies might be and their way of practicing might be not quite the right match. I have seen people change, not often, at like 37, 38 weeks. Yeah. And yeah. it is hard. <laughs> it's hard. It is. And then it's usually out of pocket at that point. Right. So it gets expensive and, and hard. So I'm glad that you brought that up. There's something else that you said that sparked something in my brain. Yeah, I don't know. It left. Um, <laughs> okay. All the time, maybe. It popped out. It might come back in. So I know in New York, we have some really big practices. And I've seen this where somebody has put the time in, they talk to their care provider, they're on the same page, but then their care provider is not actually the one who is at the birth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's how that is in, in your hospital, but that happens a lot here. And it can feel really deflating because the person's yeah. like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're now butting heads a little bit. I see this often with them pushing positions or laboring mm-hmm. positions. Mm-hmm. So what are your suggestions for that? 
I wish I had like the perfect answer because I see this as well. Um, I work with really, really great providers, but I would say there are just some that are a little bit more flexible than others. And what I usually advise moms to do is do your due diligence, what we just talked about, have those conversations if possible. Like ideally you, you do want to try and see all of your providers, all of the providers that are in your practice through your pregnancy. You might not. And I've been in that situation before where somebody's seen like all eight of them, but the ninth one they didn't see. And then the ninth one is the one that's on call, you know, when they deliver. So try and see as many providers as possible so you can get an idea of who the providers that might be a little bit more inflexible mm. uh, would be and then kind of steer your your birth plan conversation more towards them, okay? Um, now, that's hard to do, obviously. So that's where I say learn how to advocate for yourself, okay? So there's absolutely no reason why, like you talked about positions, there's absolutely no reason why a provider should tell you, oh, I need you to flip over and we need to deliver on your back because that's just the way that that we do it. There's no reason. Now, there might be some sort of reason for some, you know, something else, like there's something medically going on and the providers suggesting something that, that you didn't think of. So advocating yourself is a really, really important tool to practice during pregnancy. And in our birth courses, I actually have a whole lesson on this because people don't think about this, that like you actually have to learn how to advocate for yourself. It's mm-hmm. not just being a pushy person, you know, it's asking questions and really being able to understand, you know, what the provider is trying to, um, you know, suggest to you and asking questions until you guys both are on the same page and then saying, okay, I understand what you're saying. I'm informed. I want to go this way. And that is, that is okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's like I said, I wish I had the perfect answer, but that's where advocacy is really, really important. And also having a conversation with your partner too and getting your partner, whoever it may be in there on the same page with you. Because let's say this happens all the time. You're in so much darn pain that you're pushing. And if the provider's like, I need you to flip over, you're like, well, what, you know, what, what do I do? Um, you know, if you, if you had had a conversation maybe with your partner beforehand, maybe your partner steps in and say, Hey, um, you know, you don't want them to speak for you, but Hey, I know it was really, really important to her that she, you know, pushes on her hands and knees. And it looks like she's doing a much better job pushing on her hands and knees. Please. Can we just stay on hands and knees? Like, is it really, really important that we flip to your back nine times out of 10? Like they're not, they're not going to they're not going to challenge you. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, I, it's like, it's so frustrating to me as a nurse sometimes to watch these interactions because it's like, I can see the, the patient trying to advocate for themselves and, and getting pushback. And that's where I step in and I'm like, okay, you know, cause I'm on your side. Like I'm trying to get you to, to uh, trying to check off all these things that are on your birth plan that are really, really important to you. But obviously I'm on the provider side too of if there's really a clear medical indication, I want you to be informed of that. So yeah, it goes but, back to advocating for yourself, learning how to do that, practicing that as a skill, and also just learn uh, doing birth general birth education, you know, in general too. 
Yeah, you brought up so many good points about advocating for yourself and having the birth team know how to advocate because we don't want, especially if someone's unmedicated, they're not in their thinking mind. No. They're in their like no. their their birth mind, and no, it's yeah. not the time. Okay. To, it's hard to collect thoughts and, yeah. and advocate for yourself at that time. And I was going to follow up with where you were saying is the nurse. Do you ever feel like you're walking a fine line between trying to support? the patient and you say it's not medically indicated that they have to be on their back, but it's what, and let me back up and saying that I've seen this where the care provider has even admitted they're like, I'm not super familiar or comfortable having you in an alternative position. This is what my experience is in catching a baby with someone on their back. So if it's not that it's medically indicated, but it's the provider's comfort level, how do you advocate for you as a nurse or this person as a, as the birthing person advocate to try to change positions. That's a tricky one. I know it's it's tricky. I know. Like I said, I don't have a perfect answer. I mean, what we're supposed to do in the delivery room, like let's say I'm butting heads with the provider, right? What we're supposed to do is like take a time out. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. We can (laughs) Um, get into this too. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I don't want to name any names, but, um, but no, sometimes I'm seeing that mom, We'll, we'll use this example. Mom is pushing on hands and knees. She's doing a really great job. She's most comfortable on her hands and knees. And the provider comes in and is like, okay, flip on your back. It's time to have a baby. And she's like, I don't really want to flip on my back. I'm doing, you know, and I'm like, she doesn't really want to, you know, so what we're supposed to do is take a time out. We're really supposed to step out of the room. Now, sometimes if the baby's actively coming out of you, you know, it's a different story, but we're supposed to take a time out, step out of the room talk amongst one another. And I say, Hey, it's really important for this provide for this patient. Um, she's doing a really good job. I've been pushing with her for an hour and she's doing a really good job pushing on her hands and knees. Um, why is it so important for you that she pushes on her back? And then the provider might say what you just said, well, I'm just, I'm really comfortable, most comfortable. This is the way I learned it. And I'll say, well, Hey, I, I mean, it's still possible to to have a baby hands and knees. You might not be comfortable with it, but like, this is, this is also about the patient and that's what she's most comfortable doing. Um, I've seen hands and knees deliveries. So, Hey, like I can help or, Hey, do you want to get another one of your providers <laughs> to come in and do you need some help? Uh, that usually doesn't happen. It's usually more, we, we step outside. We have a conversation. I understand that the providers maybe just, you know, that's the way that they do it. And I say, Hey, okay, but this is really what the patient wants. And there's no, I I can hear from our conversation that there's no medical indication that she needs to be flipping over onto her back. So can we just work together? Can you, I know you don't do it very often, but I've seen plenty of hands and knees deliveries. Like it, the the baby can come out that way. I promise. But yeah, it's, it's really hard. I, I tr- uh, trust me, we try to like, I'm on your side as, as much as I possibly can. Um, and it's a really, we have to walk a really fine line sometimes when we get in those, those stickier kind of situations. Yeah, I do enjoy. I like to hear that you are supporting that. <laughs> it's hard. It's like, it oh. is hard. It really is. I remember when I was doing my doula work, I was in a tough position that they could kick me out. So I yeah. often yeah. had to feed the partner some prompts to ask questions because they're not going to 
kick that person out, but they would right. kick me out. Um, but it was, I've seen that and it is really tough. So I know, I feel like you're a very special nurse. So <laughs> what, what can, if we, and this is a very kind of broad stroke, but yeah. the average L and D nurse, if there is such a thing. So what can one expect when heading into a hospital for advocacy from the nursing staff and how can the person heading in get the hospital team all working together if they've just met then and there? Oh my gosh, it's hard. I know. I wish that the nurses, like we saw you guys during your prenatal care too, because honestly, like we spend the most time with you in the hospital. It's not even the provider. It's like yeah. your nurses, you know? Um, so yeah, it's hard. That's where a birth plan is really great. Having a birth plan, like this is a quick little get to know you kind of thing that I can read. Okay, great. You know, I see that this is really important to you. There is a, uh, admission form kind of that most hospitals have that we go through when we're asking you stuff, we're asking you conversations. Um, but yeah, it's hard to get to know somebody, you know, in, in a few minutes and get them kind of like on your side is the wrong word, but like, so we're all, we we all understand what's most important and what you do want and what you don't want. Um, so yeah, Birth plan is a really, really good thing to have. Um, I also always tell moms, so this is especially good for a mom who wants to maybe go unmedicated. There are certain nurses who are just more catered to support moms who want to go unmedicated than others. So that is not a bad question to ask and say, hey, I, it's really important that I go unmedicated. Do you have any nurses who can, like, is there a, a nurse that you could assign me to who is best? Um, you know, at supporting moms who go unmedicated. And the worst that you can, that somebody can say is, you know, well, uh, everyone is, is, is qualified and no, like, uh, you know, this, this nurse will be just fine, but you'd be surprised. Like so many times, if someone says that, I'll be like, oh yeah, you want to go unmedicated? I got you. I got you. I'm going to pair you with this nurse. She can, she can best support you. So that's a really, really good one. Um, that's a really, really good one to ask for, especially if you want to go unmedicated. I have never heard that suggestion and I love it. I it's, absolutely I mean, it, love it. You can, you can ask, right? Like I said, they the may say thing, no, but yeah, you can yeah, exactly. Ask. The worst thing we can do is say, Oh, no. And, or it's really busy. This nurse, it, you know, she's new or she, she is semi okay, but you know, she's going to do, I wouldn't say that, but she doesn't suck, but you'll be right. fine. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I've had, I've told students and, and doula clients, like we can request a different nurse if you're butting heads, yeah. but I really like that idea of being upfront, be like, here's what I'm looking for. Do you have, and I've seen that certain nurses, especially when I was regularly in the hospital, like there were some that I was, became pals with them, like, yes, we have you, we're a good team. And then others that we got, you know, again, the, the, the smirk a little bit. Um, that is such a great question. All right. So we're going to take one more break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new or expectant parents? And I know your brain is probably bubbling over with which to pick. (laughs) So during our break, pick one. We'll be right back. Okay. We are back. So can you pick one? You're probably like, but I have 30. I know. Well, that's really my answer is I have 30. So my answer is, Hey, 
take a birth class, <laughs> like yeah. take a birth class, do your research, do your reading, um, because that's going to get you all 30 pieces of my advice. Um, <laughs> we see, I see time and time again, patients who come in who take birth classes, there's literature to support this. Mm-hmm. Um, pre- patients who come in and take birth classes and they've, they've been educated are more satisfied with their birth experiences. It's, it's helps to reduce postpartum depression. Um, take a birth class and we're working hard. Honestly, our, really our goal at mommy labor nurse is to eventually like, change the narrative of, I have to go out and seek a birth class. No, it needs to be, okay, I'm taking a birth class at 28 weeks or I'm taking a birth class. It's it's worked into my prenatal care because it's right now it's not, at least here in the United States, it's not, yeah. you know, taking a birth class is more of a luxury now, unless you're with a really great practice and they have their own birth class and it, it is worked into their prenatal care. I have seen that in some situations, but it's not standard and that stinks, you know, and we're really trying to change that. So that would definitely be my best advice take a birth plan. There are so many great uh, free resources too. Uh, we have great free resources on mommylabornurse.com. So many blog articles. Um, just start learning. You know, if anything, if you can't afford to take a birth cl- class, start reading, start learning, start listening to birth stories, just engulf yourself in in birth. <laughs> I totally agree because you don't know your options if you don't know your options. Like you exactly. can't, you can't make educated choices. And just one thing that always kind of bubbles my, bubbles my blood is when I hear a care provider be like, you don't need that. I'm going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. But that, I know that's a whole nother conversation, but mm-hmm. like we want people to be able to advocate for themselves, like you said, so they can come out realizing that even if it didn't go as planned, because again, one does it, that if their wishes were honored and they were respected, like you said, you're going to have less postpartum depression, less birth trauma. And that's our goal. We don't want to send people into parenthood already healing from the emotion of you know, the emotional trauma of birth. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. So where can people find your work? Yeah. So I'm over at mommylabornurse.com. We've got our online birth classes there. We've got three different ones. One is more tailored toward the natural series. One's more tailored towards people who want to go unmedicated. One is called the the epidural series. It's more tailored for moms who are like, okay, I'm planning, I'm, I'm planning for that epidural. Okay. <laughs> but in that class, we also go over what happens like if we go a little bit too fast for the mm-hmm. epidural, because that's important to know yeah. too. Um, and then we have birth out of the C-section series, which is for moms who are having planned C-sections and want to know what to expect. In our other two classes as well, we talk about unexpected C-sections and what to expect. But we also have that third class for the group of moms who, let's say they found out their baby's breech or something and they have to have a, a plan, you know, or for some reason, placenta previa or something, you know, something that they have to have a plan C-section. So we have birth it up C-section um, series for them. So mommylabornurse.com. I am definitely mo- most active on Instagram and over there I am at mommy.labornurse. Um, get on every week and do Q and A's. I post, try to post, you know, once a day regularly. I do a bunch of reels and um, infographics and I 
use my Barbies and <laughs> do Play-Doh demos and all this fun stuff. I try to make stuff as easy to understand as possible and as visually appealing, you know, as possible. Um, so yeah, most active on Instagram. I'm starting to dabble in TikTok as well. I'm also on at mommy.labornurse, um, on there as well. And then I also have my podcast. It's just the mommy, mommy labor nurse podcast on, you know, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So we can find you. So we can, <laughs> yes, so you can find me. Well, this has been really wonderful. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.